0: Welcome to our program today on Small Business Horsepower. Small Business Horsepower podcast is brought to you by Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Tumblr, a host of other sites, as well as you can find it on our website at smallbusinesshorsepower.com. Also, I'd like to mention our last guest was Chuck Crumpton. What a wonderful guest he was. Make sure you listen to the Chuck Crumpton Show as well. He's got a fantastic show, and you can find the Chuck Crumpton Show on Apple Podcasts as well as other sites. Today, I think you're going to be very pleased. We have with us Steve Cedarquist, who is so thankful that he can come on our podcast today on Small Business Horsepower. Let's welcome him to the program. Steve, welcome to the program today on Small Business Horsepower.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate
0: it. Oh, it's our pleasure, Steve. Uh, let's. I was reading a little bit your book. We'll get into that, but I got a little background on you, and I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. I mean, it seemed you went through some very, very hard times, and I think that that's important. i I don't know how you feel, but in terms of setting up the small business horsepower, what a person goes through on their journey of life, we all have different journeys and seems like your parents divorced very young age, you were put through military schools, there was some, you know, stories in your book about abuse as a kid involved and you kept switching schools and just kind of you know, give me that background and and how you were able to navigate through all of that and and what you learned from all of these
1: experiences. I don't know. When you say it like that, it just sounds so damn depressing, but yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) you know, honestly, I think that we as humans, you know, you know, we, we all have everything. I mean, everybody has a story and I think that, um, you know, with that story, you know, we can choose to either become victims or victors. And my, you know, I, that's kind of the mantra that I've lived by, you know, for the past, you know, 40 years. And, um, yeah, I, I have been through the ringer, but I think that it's kind of like, you know, when you see the sword, you know, that's in the fire and it's being pounded out, you know, and you, you know, if you, if you remember the old, you know, what was that movie with um. Gosh, uh, uh, Clash of the Titans is forging that that sword out. And I and I and I kind of related with that a little bit where I kind of felt like, you know what, it's you have to go through the fire of life. And, you know, and obviously with the things I've been through and what a lot of people go through, you have to go through that fire to be refined and to become a sharp sword to kind of carve your way through the future and carve your way through, you know, this crazy world we live in.
0: Absolutely. Uh, It seems that you've been through a lot, but you settled things down and you got a job with James publishing. I guess you were there like 13 years Tell me about that business and what you learned from that business and how that helped you settle things down and, and really get started in, in a career.
1: Well, that was an opportunity that came up. I had just, um, you know, obviously, if you read my book, you know that I had gone to jail. I had got involved with the gang. and Six times, right? Six times you were in jail? Yeah, six different times. So the last time was uh, in state prison. And with that being said, that, um, you know, I got out, I had really no opportunities because nobody wanted to hire an ex-convict. You know, it was like, I kind of came out with a really good attitude, like, hey, I'm going to get hired. You know, the only job that I could find was, you know, painting um, apartment buildings for a property management company for five bucks an hour. You know, um, that obviously wasn't going to work, you know, because I was you know, working very diligently to get my kids back, I had lost three, my three kids into the foster care system. And um, I had realized, obviously, you know, when I was, you know, got decided to get clean that I was like, wait a minute, I need to make this right with my kids. So I did everything I possibly could do at that point to you know, even in jail. You know, I got jumped out of the gang, you know, you know, which I got beat up pretty bad, got put in the hospital for a week um but i was able to you know refocus my energies on what was important and what was important to me was being becoming a father that you know that i was supposed to be getting out and you know getting my kids back into my life and hopefully living with me and also getting a job that was going to be able to let me do those things so james publishing came up where i was Working, um, my father, I got out. My father had decided to declare bankruptcy for the business that he had. And we go back, his business went back. 1916 was when they started. 1916. What did he do? Uh, we, my grand, my great grandfather immigrated from Sweden and started a business called Cedarquist Showcase and Cabinet Company. We actually built the first Douglas aircraft in our facility in, on Zonal Avenue that's no longer there at Street Evans gone in Los Angeles. You guys built your you built the first Douglas
0: aircraft? We did. I come from the aerospace industry and I made my name before I sold my company selling consumables for the aircraft business and of course Douglas is now part of Boeing but those old uh,
1: the Douglas work in LA was huge. It was they used to build all of the World War planes. My great grandfather got approached by Mr. McDouglas who came into our my grand, great-grandfather's shop on Zonal Avenue in L.A. and said, I need, to build a, I need to build an aircraft. I need your help. So my grandfather and him um, actually engineered, worked together, put it together. And the, the name of the aircraft, if you want to check it out, it was called the Cloudster. So the Cloudster was the first aircraft ever built from Mr. McDouglas on, at Cedarquist Showcase and Cabin Company on Zonal Avenue. Wow. And then— Uh, Once that was approved and he got that through and everything was good, the war came up and then um, he was building war aircraft. So propellers and, you know, everything out of wood, you know, because everything was wood back then. So with that being said, it was a very hard blow for me when I got out in 1994. My dad was closing the business down. I didn't really have, I mean, I thought for sure my dad was going to give me a chance. I'd go back to work for the family business. So with that being said, my dad was liquidating everything he had. We had a big yard sale, garage sale of all the office supplies. I met um, Judy Mears, who was the office manager for James Publishing. Very nice lady, and actually became more of a mother figure to me during that time. And she had said, we are looking for a warehouse manager. Do you know anybody who'd be interested? And I said, "Well." I raised my hand and said, you know, I've I've got the qualifications to run a warehouse. I can do the job. And so they brought me down for an interview and then a second interview and a third interview. I was finally hired. I was given a set of keys. I was given responsibility. I was offered $9 an hour, which was $4, $9 and like 40 cents, actually. So it was obviously, you know, 40, you know, forty. 6% 6% more than I was making. Yeah. I was extremely happy at the time. I excelled. I, You know what? I worked for them for 13 years. Jim, Jim was a, an amazing boss. He was the owner of the company, Jim Powell, and even helped me buy my first house. He came to me one day and said, you know, I know that um, you know you got your three kids back because I was able to get my kids back. And he said to me, he says, I think everybody should own a home, have a sense of ownership. And I said, I, that'd be great. I don't have the down payment, but I'd love to own a home. So he said, I'm going to give you $15,000 for a down payment. I said, okay, great. He's going to look pay it back. I just want you to have it. So I was able to, um, I had good credit at the time. I'd been working on paying all my bills, doing the right things. And I was able to buy my first house from myself and my kids in 2000.
0: Wow. That's great.
1: Yeah. It was, uh, it was a blessing. You know, I, I think he, And and it kind of goes into where you know I guess I'm going to go with all this is you know my attitude for my job and my responsibilities and someone giving me a chance was like I'm not going to let them down I'm not going to I'm not going to fail in this I'm going to be there every day I'm going to get up do what I do every day is make my bed I'll get back to that in a minute why I make my bed every morning and I was able to go to work I was able to get make a good living I I progressed very rapidly making very good money. He hired me also to start doing other contracting things when they acquired new buildings, built maintenance, many other things. So I was able to do my normal daily duties and then I'd work nights and weekends. I would like, I would come home for the kids. I would help them with their homework. My daughter was getting in of age. Um, I had got a girlfriend at the time, Shauna, and she was helping me immensely. And she would say, go work, go do what you need to do. So I would go at nights. I would go work from like five o'clock, six o'clock after I was done with the homework until 12, 11, 1 o'clock in the morning, maybe later, you know, doing construction stuff for them on, the, on their facilities. I'd come home and sleep a few hours and get up and do it all over again.
0: Yeah, that's what you got to do. That's what That's what leads to that small business horsepower. And then- I read in that 2008 time frame when that recession hit us all and so on, you got into this uh, flipping of properties or property management. Can you explain how you got into that business?
1: Well, in, in doing all the repairs and stuff that I was doing for the publishing company and the business park that I was at, because once they noticed that I was doing things, they said, hey, while you're out there, can you do this? hey, while you're out there, can you do this? Neighbors were asking me, hey, can you do this for me? So I had to bring on my first employee. So I was running my business out of a business, working a job with the permission of Jim L. About 2006, he came to me and said, you're doing so well with the side business. I think you should, I'm going to kick you out of the nest. I'm not firing you, but I think you should, I'm going to encourage you to go. And go do your own thing. Make this happen. You, you're an entrepreneur. Make it happen. So I, I heeded his message. I was a little nervous, obviously. So I was able to um, start my own business, basically. I went and got my, took my test, got my contractor's license. And I was just doing all the repairs for the community and property management. And I had uh, hired a couple employees. And we were doing great. So 2008, 9 hit. The recession hit. I started getting approached by Washington Mutual Bank. I was getting approached by all these other lenders and people that had, um, who are, I forgot, Countrywide Financial. And all these people that were like upside down in these properties, they said, "You, you really, we need to hire you to help us. And so I started doing, it became overwhelming at first. Because I was so busy that I ended up having to hire more people, hire more people. I grew within two years. I grew to 13 trucks. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and like 16 guys. So it was crazy. And so we just parlayed that into this huge monstrosity of a business. One of the largest construction companies in Orange County, that when I finally sold the business in 2016, uh, we were up to 27, almost 30 trucks and about 52 employees.
0: That is amazing. And one of the things that I read, which I found really, really interesting, was that you it was like a fan page on Facebook that led you to the television side of things or the flip and flop. Is that correct? How did that come about? That's because usually these fan pages, you don't get that much out of it.
1: Well, I didn't know at the time, I didn't know that they, they that Tarek um, from Tarek and Christina were having issues with the contractor that they had on Flipper Flop. I was looking at, I was watching the show. I was looking at the quality of work that he was doing. And I thought, God, you know, I can, I can do a better job. I mean, I just, I looked at the quality of the work and I was like, wow, I wonder if they ever need anybody else. So I had reached out to um, which didn't know if it was Tariq or Christina at the time. I know now who it was. Um, And then, and I said, Hey, I'm a local contractor in Orange County. I'm also doing flips. I'm also working for several banks. I think I might be able to help you. I mean, if you're looking for a backup contractor, literally within 20 minutes, I got a response and they said, Hey, I know who you are, we already know who you are. And I said, oh, geez, okay. So literally within two days, I met Tarek at Tarek and Pete at a house in Westminster. He said, what would you do this house for? I looked at it, I gave him a number he said, do it. It's all yours, do it. I said, okay, great. So in doing that house, I didn't really know about associations or anything at the time. So I painted the outside of the house and I came across this property manager who came driving up at me, which I knew her from a, we used to do business with them and we didn't leave on a good note with her. Oh no. Not a very nice person. And she says, well, you painted the house the wrong color. I said, what are you talking about? She says, we have colors here. I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? So I had this like 2,500 square foot house. I had to repaint the outside. <laughs> you know, I was happy to do it because Tarek came back with Pete They loved my work. They said, hey, what are you doing on Tuesday? I said, tell me what I'm doing. They said, you're on camera. You're now on the show. I said, okay. So I went up to La Habra. I uh, met Christina for the very first time. And the rest is history. I ended up doing five seasons with them. I ended up doing a season. uh, I ended up doing an episode last year um, with them on season 10. And uh, with more of my design aspects of the business that I do. That's what I currently do. I still work. I do some work for them. I do some work for some other people on HGTV due to disclosure policies. I can't tell you who it is, but um, I do a lot, actually, with design. And I also do a lot of retail work. And today I do my own flips. I buy, It's like I buy high-end properties and I flip them. Oh, so you're doing it for yourself now, huh? You buy them, you flip them? Yeah, I have been for the past probably I've been doing it for probably 10 years. Yeah, I've been doing it for a long time. I've probably flipped probably my own, probably 20, 20 or 25 properties. Amazing. What
0: a ride, huh? From being, I mean, that, that's what I love about this show. And I have great guests. And by the way, speaking of guests, we have Steve Cedarquist with us today on Small Business Horsepower. And back to what I was saying here, Steve, I'm looking at this thing going like, a person who's been in jail six times, gang associations, three kids taken away, comes back, gets the house, boss gives 15000 and here now flipping 25 of your own properties. What an amazing story. I mean, that's, I think it starts, right, Steve, with that 18 20 hour days you work all day at James publishing and then you do the contracting job at night and, and and that's what it takes I mean that's why the show is called small business horsepower right because you have to have that drive and that horsepower like you want to make it am I
1: correct you know I've always lived by the philosophy that you know you you have to work hard and that goes back to why if you want to ask the question why I make my bed every morning, I'll tell you. Tell me. I make my bed every morning for one reason. Because it's the first chore of the day. It's to me, it's a responsibility. I get up, I start my day by making my bed, making sure that it's like pretty much like military style. Because I always feel that it's an accomplishment. It's my first accomplishment of the morning. And I I feel that. When I come home at night, no matter if I had a crappy day and things were just like a bad day, at least I come home and there's my accomplishment. My bed's made. I get to go into a nice, freshly made bed. I know that sounds corny to some people, but it's also a philosophy I feel in life with people. You know, you have to start with something. And whether that be making your bed or getting up and saying, you know what, today's the day. And you're going to make it happen because you know what, if you're relying on that lottery ticket or you're relying on the knock on the door from the publisher's clearinghouse, you're probably going to be sitting there a long time watching reruns, you know, on TV. Right.
0: And what I, what I, what's what I find really interesting is it's really like the show now that you're talking about it found you because you built such an infrastructure and business where you got up to all of those number of trucks and employees that, when you contacted, they had already heard of you. And I think that made the huge difference, right? Like they already knew who you were just by what you had done on the non television side of things, just getting it going and to the level you took it to.
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was kind of shocking that they had known who I was, but it was in a testament to the hard work and dedication and the quality of the work that we were doing. I mean, yeah, we, um, you know, there's a lot of um, kind of what we're seeing right now. It's, it's kind of weird. Like we're in a weird cycle right now where we're seeing a lot of the same shoddy contracting work. People don't care. You know, in the work that I do, it's people are always amazed at like, wow. I mean, I'm shocked. You, this wasn't even on my bid and you did this for me. And I'm like, you know, it's a reflection of my job. So if I want to spend an extra few hundred dollars on your outside and make it look a little bit better, um, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I do. I I always try to, you know, I get hell for it from my accounting people. They're like, what did you do that for? It wasn't on your bid. I'm like, you know, that's just the way it is. I'll take it out of some of my profit on somewhere else. And I think that leaving, you you know, to me, it's about leaving a good legacy, you know, and, and people have a good taste in your mouth and they walk away from you. Not to say every experience is a good experience. I know you deal with a lot of crazy, weird people, but it's how you deal with those crazy, weird people that's gonna define you. It's like, well, you're crazy, I'm not, that's cool. Good luck to you, goodbye, peace out. I don't engage people, I don't, um, I mean, obviously we know what we're dealing with in today's world and today's society ever since COVID. You know, it's a whole different animal out there. You know, it's, it's a reflection of how you should react when somebody cuts you off in front of you. You don't, you know, you don't react the way you did. You don't flip them off. You don't, you're just like, okay. You know, when you got people shooting and crazy stuff going on. Focus on what's important. What's important should be your family first, always your family first. And then second, your job and your responsibilities and doing the best job possible, always. You got to have it aligned. If you want to be successful, then you have to, I'm telling you, you have to dig deeper. It's like you, you're literally taking the inside of yourself and, and, and going inside out. It's not going to come to you overnight. It's something that you have to really work on and refine. It do, it's not handed to you. And I, and I'm a testament to that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a guy who's been to jail six times. Unbelievable. And I, and I could let, I could be a victim right now and be like, Oh, poor me. Right. You look at me, you know, but why would I do that? I mean, yeah, it's my fault that I got in trouble. It's my fault I make bad choices. It's my responsibility. I own it. So I own things. When I do something, even when I don't do something wrong and somebody's confronting me on something, I try to look at their side of it and before I react to it, I take a I take a pause and I just said, "Let me let me take a moment here." And I'll take a walk or I'll I'll take a pause and I'll think was there something that I did with that situation, whether it be an argument with a girlfriend or a family member. And I'll think, well, was it anything that I did that attributed to that? And sometimes there is. So what I do is I usually go back and I own that part of it. And I'll say, you know what, during this conversation then we had a disagreement on, yes, I reacted a certain way. I own that. I own, I would take responsibility the way I react. You know what I mean? And that kind of like, diffuses people a lot. You know, so you you don't find yourself in a hostile situation, they kind of go, "Yeah, well maybe I reacted wrong too." And you're like, "Yeah. You know, I don't know. I I can't take your inventory, but I own what I got. I I do apologize for that. Try to like make amends to them and move on." You know, and I find that I you know doing that in business and in personal life, I think it, you gain a lot because if you go around with a bitter, angry Oh, you know, like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, the people that walk around with those jumper cables, Yeah. And they got them attached to their, pardon the expression, but their nipples, and they're going around looking to jump on yours and just suck every bit of energy out of you. Right. I identify those people quickly and go, hey, you know what? Not going to work. I don't need your jumper cables. I don't do work. And, and I, I take that with me with work. When I go do a job for somebody, I'm always cognizant of that. And if I feel that they're bad energy or they're not going to be a positive experience, I won't take the job. I'm not interested. And I get flack for it sometimes, but I need you to do my work. I'm like, yeah, I'm busy. I'm sorry. I apologize. You know what I mean? I, I try to back out friendly and respectfully, but I don't have, I don't look at my life in the past, ever since I even sold my business in 16, I don't have regrets for the business that I've taken on. I've done very well. I love being smaller, I love spending more time with my grandkids, um, my children. Yeah, I, I love it. So that's pretty much the way I feel about it.
0: Yeah, and I can relate to what you're saying. We just had some work done in our driveway, in our backyard, and we had very good contractor for all of that. And we referred that contractor already on to two other people. At the same time, contractor brings in a plumber... Uh, to go under and uh, do some irrigation and hook some pipes on that driveway. The plumber takes part of the money, not much, but takes some, doesn't come back, doesn't answer phone calls, doesn't show up and, you know, (laughs) subcontractor gives everyone a bad name in the industry. And I think that's Probably, I would say, because that person's looking at it, well, right now I'm so busy that if I blow this off and I don't show up, I've got plenty of work somewhere else. And I always took that attitude, well, today everything is great, you got all this work, but what about tomorrow when things are slower? Wouldn't you rather be that person who had that good reputation is still going to get references even though there's less jobs? So I know, what you're, I know what you're saying, and there are some people appearing again like the old days where they're not showing up, they're not doing things because they're like, oh, we're so busy, if he gets upset, we'll just go take something else. Well, um, I don't think that's sustainable for the long term, you know, I don't, and I think that you hit the nail on the head when through good times and bad times, isn't it really, Steve, that consistency that makes the difference?
1: No, absolutely. You've got to know your boundaries. You've got to know what's going to work for you. You know, if something I've always lived by the philosophy of something doesn't feel right or smell right, it, it's not right. You know, it's, it's just go with your gut. You know, your gut's not going to lie to you. It's always our heart that gets in the way that it changes things. But, um, I have always felt that, um, it's imperative that we follow our intuition and I don't, um, you know, when you said that about plumbers and things like that, I, I have had that experience before with subcontractors that have, um, you know, I've, cons- I've called them, I, I call them, they've taken out the trash for me. That's the way I look at it. And, you know, it's funny because I've had some of them call me back and say, oh, yeah, I wonder if you need, you have any work to be done. I'm like, not in a million years. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you started my job. You either took money from me and you never came back. Or you overpaid me. I overpaid you and you didn't make it right with me. I mean, and I, you know, it's funny you say that because I, I just, I thought, well, you know, that's fine. I truly believe in karma and I, I believe that good comes around with, you know, and I, that's kind of my thing. I don't, uh, you put out good energy, you're going to get energy back. And if somebody's going to be bad, but I'd never leave a customer hanging. I never have, never would. If the guy failed, it's out of my pocket, my bad decision, not the customer's. I'll bring another plumber in. The customer doesn't even know what happened. I bring somebody else in, we get it done, you know, and we, we move on with our lives. I think, you know, it's true. The reputation is everything, especially in my industry. I mean, if you, you know, but like I said, we're in a, we're in a kind of a weird flux right now. And um, I think you're going to see a lot of this um, with the downturn in the economy in the next few months. I think you'll see a lot of, um, yeah, see a lot of those guys not have work and kind of be out of work.
0: Absolutely. Um, so tell us a little bit about your book, where people can get that. I, I read it. It was it was really interesting. And then also, what are you doing today? I mean, I I where are we they can people can find you on Instagram. I was there today. I saw something being done in Dana Point, and I follow you on Instagram. But are these projects that you're doing for yourself, for others, design work? Tell us a little bit about what you're doing today. What whatever you whatever you can tell us. I mean, within
1: Yeah, no, no, no. That's fine. Um the um house project you you saw up in your Belinda. That's a film project for um I can't I can't it's a new show that's coming out on HGTV that we're working on. Um I'm a special location producer for that. And then I've got um the one in Dana Point that belongs to me. So we've got that one going on. We just finished a retail job in Anaheim Hills. We have another one I'm going to start probably, I'm going to take a month off when I get done with the Dana Point and go um, spend some time with my grandkids up in Northern Nevada where I have, um, I have another company up there as well. We, we were doing tons of flips up there, but um, now I'm doing a couple of new construction projects uh, and I'm going to build some, um, when the downturn hits, I've got, to, I've got it all planned out. I'm going to build five custom homes uh, cause there'll be a lot of people, you know, a lot of hungry men trying to feed their families. So I'll try to do the best I can and it'll help me. I'll help them, um, up there and I'll probably end up, uh, retiring up there in about three or four years. Um, I really love it up there, Northern Nevada. It's a beautiful country. You open my back gate or my, uh, we have another home up there right now and you open the back gate and I'm dealing, you know, I have wild horses in my front yard and my backyard every day. Wow. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's different than here. I mean, <laughs> I'm in LA, you know, as you know, I don't know if you know, I'm an Emmy judge. So I'm up at the, I'm up in LA. No, I didn't know that. Tell me about that a little. So you're an Emmy judge. I am. I'm a voting member of the television Academy and I'm uh, voted in member of being a judge. I have been for the, I just got voted in again this year as a qualifying member to be a judge. So I'm able to be an Emmy judge again this year. So um, I get opportunities to meet tons of uh, people Actors, producers, executives, um, we're currently, we actually have another, we do have a film project working right now. We're working on a docu-series right now about the cannabis industry. And um, I, I actually, just for a disclaimer, I don't smoke cannabis. I don't eat cannabis, I don't do cannabis, but what we're doing on it is we're doing an, um, an expose, basically a six part uh, series on cannabis about pretty much the good, the bad, and the ugly you know, kind of the, the good qualities of it, about the medicinal purposes, the bad parts of it and the tragedy parts, you know, just the ugly parts, you know, and um, we've got some great funding on that. And that'll be, we're in um, development on that right now. So we should start filming that by December. So that's pretty exciting. And um, yeah, so just, you know, keeping myself occupied and doing fun, fun projects like that, bringing attention to, Fun things. Anything I do with film or whatever, I always try to make sure that I'm involved in something that's being being a positive reference, you know, to a subject. You know, and cannabis is a huge, huge, huge thing right now, you know, where you've got so much going on with cannabis and it's it, it's crazy. You know, it's so much. So we're really um, we're, we're, I mean, we've got some I wish I could tell you more about who I got involved in it, but there's some people, you know, and would know if I mentioned your name, and um, they're going to be great with it. Well, thank you
0: very much for coming on our program today, Steve, on Small Business Horsepower. We really appreciate it, and we learned a lot today, but there was so much more to get to as we ran out of time that we hope that you would come back on the program in the future on Small Business Horsepower.
1: Well, thank you, and people can reach out to me on Instagram, but My my is Steve Cedarquist follow our journey. That's all I can say. I think it'd be great. Okay.
0: Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you.
1: Have a good day.